Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technologies, ATRA, the National Sustainable Agriculture Information Service, with support from the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service. Hi, this is Rich Myers with NCAT. In this episode, Andrew Coggins, the Sustainable Agriculture Project Coordinator with NCAT ATRA's SIFT, or Small Scale Intensive Farm Training Program, talks with John Wallace, who manages NCAT's SIFT Farm. Andrew and John are both specialists with NCAT's ATRA, the National Sustainable Agriculture Information Service, and both work out of NCAT's headquarters in Butte, Montana, where the SIFT Farm is located. Butte is in a Zone 3 area, and its cold climate and short growing season can be, uh, let's just say, challenging. Starting in 2017, the SIFT farm began growing fruit bushes to see which would thrive best in Butte, including several varieties of cherries and a relatively new species to Montana, the honeyberry. Andrew and John talk about their plans for continuing the project and what they've learned so far. Let's listen. Hello, my name is John Wallace with the SIFT farm. At, in CAT, and we're located here in Butte, Montana. And one thing we've looked into is doing some research into fruit bushes. Uh, one of the reasons why we chose to expand into a fruit plot is, is one investment with a low initial labor. So today I have Andrew Coggins with me. Say hello, Andrew. Hi, hi, John. And one of the questions I had for you, uh, Andrew, is you were the one who kind of initially led the first steps into this this fruit bush research. Mm -hmm. um, is there any reason why you decided to make that choice? Um, yeah, several reasons really. Um, fruit or certain sorts of fruit within Butte um, is a fairly rare occurrence. We'll go into the Nanking uh, issue later. But uh, there's certainly some new types of fruit, principally honeyberries, uh, that I wanted to try. All right, well, that's great. And this is actually a spot on the SIF farm that we hadn't been using before. So as we slowly expand to fill up, what is it, about an acre? Uh, that we're actually using, yeah. Yep. So so as we try to fill this acre, we wanted to really understand our limitations, you know, of labor and what we could actually manage. So mm -hmm. um, we expanded into this eastern plot that we had never used before. And I just wanted to ask you, what exactly did we plant there? Okay, um... Well, we planted a variety of uh, Nanking cherries, other bush cherries, and several varieties of um, honeyberries. Uh, we planted 40 plants overall, um, over two years, John, 2017 and 2018. So 20 plants each year, 50% um, cherries, bush cherries, and 50% uh, honeyberries. So looking from north to south, there are four rows planted. Uh, can you tell me through each row what specific plants? Yep, sure. No problem. Uh, going from north to south, we started off with uh, Nanking cherries. And five planted in 2017, five eighteen. And the Nankings we actually use as a baseline because of all the fruit out there. Um, Nankings are actually fairly common across Montana now. So that would indicate a good baseline against the other varieties we're going to plant. So, yep, long story short, moving from north, north row across to the next row across, uh, moving south, five, um, carmine jewel, bush cherries we planted uh, in 2017, followed by five um, Juliet bush cherries in 2018. 
and these are both newer varieties but we'll go into that further later. So moving across to the third row now, um, we start with the honeyberries and we planted five borealis honeyberries followed by five uh, boreal, sorry, yeah, five borealis honeyberries 2017 and five boreal beast honeyberries 2018 and concentrating on the last row to the south that started off with five Svetlana honeyberries in 2017 and an additional five boreal beast honeyberries 2018. So one thing I thought was interesting was the difference between uh, bush cherries and honeyberries. Uh, something that I found out that was interesting is uh, um, cherries are in the rose family. So cherries, plums, mm -hmm. peaches. Um, so all of those things we're testing um, actually grow pretty well in this area. In fact, the Nanking was shown to, to be in, grow well in hardiness zones from two to seven, which viewed as three. So we're well within that. But seven is actually pretty tropical. So one thing I started to learn was that these plants are very heat and cold tolerant. One way we found this out was apparently one of our coworkers, Dave Scott, uh, was tossing out the coals in his backyard and well, he was managed to lit one of these on fire and even though he burned the bush down, it came back the next year. So now you know it goes from negative 50 to 400 <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. So the Nanking row of cherries makes sense, but what is the importance of the Carmine Jewel and the Juliet cherries? Okay. Um, yeah, good question, John. Well, the Carmine Jewels and the Juliets are, um, are much newer varieties than Nankings. Uh, they've been grown in Canada, principally in Canada. And as you say, they've got very good tolerance down to zone two. Um, so amongst other things, of course, with newer varieties, they're pushing yield quality. Uh, they're pushing higher brick scores. And these newer varieties have brick scores between 15 and 20, which is quite significant. Um, and more nutritional value too over the traditional Nankings. So, as I say, the, the new varieties have uh, better brick scores for a start, um, and a potential yield of twenty-five pounds per bush in years five or six. But uh, we're in Butte, Montana, so we'll see how this climate bears that uh, yield data out. <clears throat> Likely, you think that it might take a little bit longer to reach those yields. I think it might take a bit longer, John, to be <laughs> yeah. honest, and whether we actually get to 25 pounds is, yeah. we will see. Understandable. Well, moving on to the honeyberries, what exactly are they and where do they come from? Okay. Well, honeyberries are actually from the honeysuckle family. And at the minute, they come from three main areas around the world. One is Russia, uh, second is Japan, and the third is the Kuril Islands, which are north of Japan. They have some funny names, and they're not always called honeyberries in every place. Uh, one thing I looked into, and apparently uh, a botanist in Canada uh, found um, these honeysuckle bushes in swamps that were producing the berries. And so one of its original names was the swamp fly honeysuckle, which makes sense relating to that family. But what are some of the other names that they call them? Well, amongst other names, I've actually heard them called eatable honeysuckle, but we'll yes, yeah. uh, digress from that for the minute. But in <laughs> Russia, uh, they're called zimolost. Um, Haskaps in Japan, and commonly known as honeyberries in, in the USA. Though, as we've mentioned before, they do have various other names too. And in fact, um, they actually grow wild, John, um, along the edge of the polar regions, certainly in northern Canada and in certain areas of Siberia too. So what are the advantages of honeyberries over blueberries, for example? Okay, yeah. Well, one of the advantages, um, definitely with honeyberries, 
is that um, they're very cold tolerant. Um, I think you've mentioned already, John, in the intro, that uh, they go down to at least minus 55 degrees C. Another advantage with them too, actually, is the uh, blossoms, which will survive as low as 20 degrees Fahrenheit, which is quite useful in its own right. They also are very tolerant of soil pH levels, uh, running from soil pHs 5 to 8. And they're fairly tolerant of either shade or sun, hmm. which is um, makes them a very versatile plant. In addition to that, they have very uh, few uh, disease or insect pest problems, which again is another really good attribute for organic growers. Are there any qualities in the nutrient value of, of these berries compared to anything else? Um, yeah, there's quite a few qualities. Um, the bushes themselves uh, have a long lifespan, uh, can be up to 50 years. Uh, and the fruit itself is very high in antioxidants, which is quite a useful um, thing to be uh, when they're produ producing, uh, when you're producing healthy fruit. Um, certainly with these honeyberries, uh, they're very high in vitamin A and C. And they're actually higher than pomegranates, oranges, blueberries, apples or grapes. So with vitamin E, only blueberries actually have a higher level uh, per 100 grams. Wow, that's very interesting. Um, are there any downsides to honeyberries? Um, not downs. I wouldn't say downsides so much, John, as as perhaps um, uh, certain things that you have to bear in mind with honeyberries. Cert certainly, like other fruits, honeyberries are very dependent on cross pollination, uh, which is something actually bush cherries are not. So bush cherries, you can get standalone varieties, and they'll be fine. Um, but as I say, honeyberries need um, cross-pollination. So it's very important with honeyberries to get varieties that bloom or blossom at similar periods of time. Um, I'll give you an example of that. These Svetlana and Borealis varieties, they're both early to mid-season bloomers, whilst the Boreal Beast and Blizzard are late-season bloomers. So at least we've got two of each each uh, uh, within each period of time. And that's kind of why we planted them in, in rows, just adjacent to each other it is really yeah they're very very adjacent to each other uh close in proximity um just just for the record the rose actually planted i was going to go metric then but i won't they were planted about a meter apart um 39 inches and roughly 10 feet between each row so they're very close together as you say yeah and i'll just add one other thing to that uh, just very quickly um the svetlana and borealis are both older varieties and they're both in russian stock Whereas the Boreal Beast Blizzard and also the Boreal Beauty, which we haven't got here, um, come from a mixture of Russian, Japanese and Kuril Island stock. Well, considering these are very small berries and one of our initial concerns was labor costs, how do you think that's going to change in the future? Is this going to be difficult to harvest when we finally are starting to reach you know, high yields in a few years? Um, yeah, it's a very good question, actually. I don't I don't think they'll be difficult to harvest for us simply because we've got so few of them. Uh, but on a more commercial scale, um, they they do have problems in the sense that they are soft-skinned and they drop very easily when ripe off the bushes. So harvest is a very tight window when you're doing it commercially and you can lose a lot of berries straight to the ground. Um, probably not such a problem for us, as I say, because we'll be harvesting them man uh, manually ourselves. Um, and also certain varieties that we've actually got on the farm here, like Borealis in particular, 
um, are quite difficult to harvest on a large scale because they are very foliage dense and a lot of the fruit can actually hide within the bush itself. Sounds like a great you pick CSA kind of idea. It, it does, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Well, you mentioned some of the older varieties and I assume that there's newer varieties. So who's developing these and where'd you find them? Okay, yeah. Um, well, the older varieties, as we've said already, uh, particularly with the cherries, uh, uh, the Nanking uh, is the main variety that's uh, fairly um, fairly common across Montana now. And that we can get the Nankings just straight from the Missoula Conservation Seedling Nursery, um, which is in Missoula, as I say, and uh, very, very cost effective. Each plant is a dollar and you get them in bundles of 50. And from this uh, same centre, you can get a lot of species native to Montana now. So that's the simple side of things. That's the baseline. Then we get on to everything else um, that we've planted there. And most of these plants, uh, in fact, the whole of the remainder of the plants now was, was sourced from a, a company in Minnesota, in Bagley, Minnesota, called Honeyberry USA. Um, and most of their plants in turn were sorted from the research trials done at Saskatoon with the University of Saskatchewan. The reason we get them from Honeyberry USA is that we, there is quite a complicated uh, import, import, uh, importing process with them. Yeah, I imagine I can, I can, might take a while and probably has to get certified as it comes it across It does the indeed, yeah. It's, it's quite complicated and um, it's not worth a hassle because people have got long lead times waiting for deliveries of these uh, live plants. Um, so we're quite happy with this arrangement and they've got a very good website as well. Well, having found source to buy plants, how expensive are they and what size do you get? Um, they, they, they're very expensive compared to Nankings. As, as, <clears throat> well, I think, uh, as I think we got aware. a package of 50 for $50. So yes, we won't dollar. get much mileage out of uh, yeah. blueberries and Nankings <laughs> uh, and bush cherries with that. But we get them roughly between 12 and 18 inches tall. Um, the price range varies between the older varieties and new varieties, but they're probably within 15 to $22 a piece. And I'd advise anyone that's getting a batch of these to actually probably budget for $25 a plant when you've got the um, packaging and uh, shipping in, involved as well. Um, there is a lot of information on the Honeyberry USA website, an awful lot of information. So for the most part, when you order these plants, you should know what you're getting ahead of time in terms of plant size and um, plant quality and so on and so forth. But they have also got um, a contact number which is really useful. The other bit of information, or an example of actually wanting to contact them is seeing whether plants come in pots or whether they come uh, just as roots, bare roots, which is quite an important question for a lot of people. Well, how successful was the establishment so far? <laughs> Very good question. Um, it's actually been quite successful. It, it, it has been quite successful. Um, of every sort of plants, we've ba uh, every sort of batch of five we've planted, I would say that at least three plants out of five have survived. Um, the snow and the weather and two seasons and going forward. So probably about an 80-85% success rate in terms of establishment. Um, what made me, what made it more interesting for me to be honest is seeing which, which varieties survive better than others. Um, and particularly with us, one variety that's done very well is the Borealis um, variety. Um, all five plants of those have, have established very well and made a very good stand. 
they are they are one of the varieties that are not so popular with the um, with the professional growers uh, simply because they are very dense in foliage and it's very hard to get some of the, the fruit off these bushes but it might be that the Montana specifically the Butte Montana climate might be the perfect climate for these particular uh, fruit bushes so we'll see going forward <laughs> we will see <laughs> yeah um, are there any other lessons uh, and plans for moving forward from here um there's a few, there's a few plans moving forward john um we haven't pruned any of the plants yet um because quite frankly to be honest getting them established has been the priority up to this point in time um but as we move forward uh we've learned a few tricks i've been very lucky lucky to go up to visit the big research trials at um, Saskatoon last year as part, as part of the trials at the University of Saskatchewan and learn a few tricks from those people. Um, one is very simple, getting pieces of waste cardboard, um, cutting holes in them, putting them around the bases of the plant has actually helped to keep the weed pressure off the plant themselves and when we water them uh, it's actually done a little bit to retaining moisture under the cardboard too, which is not a bad thing at all. Would you suggest mulching around these plants? Um, mulching slightly, John, not too much. They, they, they are cold hardy. We should remember they are cold hardy, so they're designed to survive extreme temperatures. And I have heard that too much mulching around the base creates its own mini environment, which actually can lead to insects and root damage because it's too, um, too cocooned, shall we say. So we filled most of the places that we can, and um, I'm wondering, we, we still have a little bit of extra area. Do you have any plans to, to finally fill that out? Um, not initially. Um, patience, I think patience is one of the key words when you're growing uh, fruit trees. And my initial plans, to be honest, going forward is to actually take cuttings off the existing plants um, and where we need to. So where I want to be in two years' time, John, is is really... We've got five healthy species of each plant that we originally planted there going forward. The other thing I would say with this at the minute too is that there's no real advantage in getting um, any new varieties because certainly with the Juliet series um, uh, bush cherries and the, certainly the Borealis Beast and Blizzard, we've got three of the con uh, very current varieties of both bush cherries and honeyberries. Um, so we can't really go much further forward in terms of progression with new varieties because these are right on the cutting edge um, with new variety trials. So really it's a case of patience for a couple of years, waiting to see what comes up, waiting to get the bushes big enough to take cuttings and getting replacement plants in place and then we can move forward from there. And also I should add at the same time is putting fencing around. Yeah, I think we've had a few deer problems. Yes, we have, yeah. So we we got fairly heavily attacked the first year and they got uh, nibbled close to the ground, which they'll probably survive one year, but in truth, that's one year too many. So this year we're going to be, or we are in the process of constructing a fence around the whole area to keep the deer away from them. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. I think we've learned a lot about honeyberries and bush cherries, and there you have it, guys. That's... Fruit for Butte. Okay, thank you very much, John. Thanks for listening to ATRA, Voices from the Field. Depending on the platform you're listening on, be sure to rate us and leave a review or comment. For more information on this subject, you can contact Andrew Coggins or John Wallace at andrewc at incat.org 
and John W at NCAT.org. And that's A-N-D-R-E-W-C at NCAT.org. And J-O-H-N-W at NCAT.org. Also, in the notes below this podcast, we'll have a number of links, including to Honeyberry USA and related ATRA resources. And please call ATRA with any and all of your sustainable agriculture questions at 1-800-346-9140 or email us at askanag at NCAT.org. That's A-S-K-A-N-A-G at N-C-A-T dot org. Our two dozen specialists can help you with a vast array of topics, everything from farm planning to pest management, from produce to livestock and soils to aquaculture. You can get in touch with them and find our other extensive and free sustainable agriculture publications, webinars, videos, and other resources at our website, www.atra.incat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org. We'll catch you next week, and until then, keep on farming.